it's good to be with you. Last week, we talked about our Let's Go series. We, we, we launched it with this verse in Micah, and that's, this is where I want to start. I want to quickly recap, and then today, I want Him, I want the Holy Spirit, I want God to teach us how to be His faithful witnesses in every part of our life. So that's the goal today. We're going to look at some scriptures. And the goal today is for the Holy Spirit to to inspire us, to teach us how to be faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ in every part of our lives. But first, let's go back to this verse in Micah. This is in Micah chapter 4, verse 2. says, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his path. So we said that the let's go theme is going to be about gathering, and it's going to be about scattering. So the come, let us go up to the house of the Lord. This is the house of the Lord. And when we gather, we are going to learn his ways. We're going to ask him through his word to teach us his ways, and then we're going to learn how to walk in his path. So that's what we do here. But church isn't just about filling seats. Actually, it's the opposite. It's for these seats to be empty as we go out, as we scatter, so that we can be about God's business in every other part of our lives. So we want this place to be the hub of teaching, the hub uh, where we can come and and, and just be ourselves and come as we are and learn his ways, his paths, so that when we go out there, when we scatter, we can be faithful witnesses. Second part says, for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So Micah, written in 700 B.C., said that the word, that the law of the word of the Lord was going to come from Jerusalem. What is the word of the Lord? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the word of the Lord. It's the good news that Jesus came to save, that Jesus came to redeem all of humanity, that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve us. That's the good news. That's the word. And and we saw Acts 1.8. So Fast forwarding, Jesus came, he lived this life, we have the Gospels, and then in the book of Acts, the ascended, uh, I'm sorry, the resurrected Jesus is there, and he now says, in Jerusalem, he's actually only half a mile from uh, where that mountain of the Lord, the Temple Mount was, only half a mile on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus is now telling his disciples, you will be my witnesses, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So, that is our commission as a church. That is our mission statement as the body of Christ. We're called to go, and we're called to go and be His witnesses. Now, before we get into the word witnesses, I just want to say something. As we go into our Jerusalem, which is our, 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 our family, that's what I want us to deem our Jerusalem, our immediate family or um, college students, your, your roommates, or those people that are like in your, you know, you see all the time. But more so, I want to focus in on family. I want to focus in on how to be witnesses of Jesus in our marriage and with our kids or uh, kids with your parents and grandparents, etc. because God loves family. Family is a very important part of God's story. So as we look at family, 
I think that God's going to do some amazing things as we, you know, look into what it looks like to be witnesses of Jesus in our family. Then I want us to look at our community. And that's more our community groups or, you know, our further out concentric circle. And that's also our colleagues. So I don't know about you, but sometimes uh, when you go to work, it's easy to compartmentalize your life. So you're here on a Sunday morning, maybe you, you go to community group and then that kind of you know, re-engages your, your faith walk, but what, it, what would it look like to be witnesses of Jesus to our colleagues? It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be awesome. I'm just telling you, it's going to be awesome. Okay, and then we're going to look at our city. Now we're talking about the greater area, and in our city, we have people that we disagree with, that we don't see eye to eye with, that don't believe the same things that we believe. So, so how are we faithful witnesses of Jesus to our city? And Samaria was different than, than Judea. There was a lot of differences. So we're going to be looking at that. And we're also going to be looking at how we can serve our city. We have many local ministry partners that, that we come alongside as we serve our city. But we as a church, how do we serve our city? And finally, the world. The world. So we're going to look at why it's so important to be about, you know, missions. And why we as the church are called to go out to the ends of the earth. Last week we went 30,000 feet. I want to go a little bit, you know, um, a, a little bit lower because I want to I delve into this theme of, of witness. I have a video that I'm going to show here in a little bit, but I want to make sure that as we go through this series that we're fueled up with the right type of fuel. I don't know if you've ever broken down. I hadn't ever in a car until about a couple months ago. I was driving in San Marcos. I was right by that Chewy's, you know, the new Chewy's restaurant kind of by the highway. I see some thumbs up for Chewy's. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden, my car just poof. And I'm like, oh, shoot, battery, no problem. All right, so, you know, inconvenience, inconveniently stopped right in the middle of the road. There's a driver right there, you know, a little hill. So I get out. I'm with my wife. I'm with my four kids. And so anyway, I'm trying to push our, our little Honda Pilot over and Good Samaritan comes out. Awesome. Thanks, dude. It helps me. Uh, he doesn't have, um, what are those things called? Thank you. Jumper cables. And, and so I go to the oil change place right there. They got jumper cables. Jumped. Woo. No problem. Called a lot of people in San Marcos that I knew. Nobody was there. Like Taylor wasn't here this, this morning. You know, I called him. He wasn't there either. I don't know what's up. Maybe there's something going on. So uh, whenever I came back, um, we didn't get more than a quarter mile <laughs> before we broke down again. And this time I realized it ain't the battery, it's something else. And so somebody was in town, they came to meet us and, and they took us back into Wimberley. And then um, the next day, my wife had a foster mom's gathering in Dripping Springs, I had the kids, so I was like, I'll meet the tow truck down there, no problem. So I'm driving this time in Susan, my mother-in-law's Tahoe, and she tells me, hey, don't trust the gas gauge. And if you know me, I'm an optimist. I'm a glass full type guy. So I looked at it and literally it was half full. And I was like, I got plenty. Don't trust the gas gauge means there's always going to be plenty in the tank. So I 
have my four kids in the Tahoe with me. I'm by myself. I drive down to San Marcos, meet the tow truck. Tow truck comes. Samuel, my two-year-old, I get him out, you know, and he's like, tow truck, yeah, cool. I'm like, yeah, buddy, trucks, yeah, cool. Look, hydraulics. And, uh, you know, tow truck leaves. He's following me because uh, he's coming to Wimberley to drop my car off at our mechanic here in Wimberley. Rancher of 12, coming down a hill. Third time I break down in 24 hours. That's got to be a record. Two different vehicles. This time I run out of gas. We, we, we got gas pretty quick and, and then we get home. Here's my point and go with me here. I wasn't driving my car. I didn't know my gas gauge and sometimes what happens, sometimes one of the, the roadblocks that we come to when, when, when it comes to going, when it comes to sharing our faith, when it comes to being a faithful witness is we're not really driving our faith. We're, we're driving somebody else's faith. Our faith is based upon maybe what culture has taught us or maybe what our parents taught us or maybe, you know, what we compare ourselves to. But what I want, us to, what I want to encourage us is go there with your faith, with your raw, real faith. Be vulnerable unto the Lord and ask the questions, why is it hard for me to allow the gospel to penetrate every part of my life? And allow God to fill you up with his fuel. Maybe you're broken down right now. Maybe you're like, I am unqualified. I can't do this. Well, I have good news for you. And we're going to read about it in this passage. God uses those that we least expect to, 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 to accomplish his purposes. He doesn't need you to be qualified. He just needs you to be obedient. Because the power is not on the person. The power is in the gospel. It's in the message. That's Romans 1.16. It'll be here on the screen. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Our job as Christians, our job as witnesses, is just to be, is to share the message. That's it. That's it, to share our story. So I want to delve a little bit further into this word witness. It's pretty significant in the storyline of the Bible. We have a little video that I want to show, and then I want to read a passage of Scripture, come out with a, a couple of action points, and, and, and we'll, be, we'll be done today. So check out this video. When you hear the word witness, you might think of someone who sees something shocking or important and then shares their testimony with others. The word witness is used like this in the Bible too, but here's what's really fascinating. This word actually helps us understand the entire storyline of Scripture. In the Bible, a witness is basically someone who sees something important or amazing. In Hebrew, this person is an aide, and in Greek, a martus. And if this person begins to share what they've seen, we call this bearing witness, in Hebrew, oud, and in Greek, martyreo. So in the story of Ruth, when Boaz buys land from Naomi's family, he calls together witnesses to see the transaction so that if there's a later dispute about the land, they can bear witness about what they saw. So that's the basic meaning of the word witness. Now, if we follow this idea throughout the Bible, we learn that God wants a group of witnesses, people who see and experience him to ood or represent him to the world. So beginning with the story of the Exodus, the people of Israel witness Yahweh as the powerful king of the nations when he rescues them from slavery. 
Then he appoints this one nation to bear witness or ood to the rest of the nations about what they experienced. He calls them a kingdom of priests or people who connect all other nations to Yahweh, the true God and King. But there's a big problem. The Israelites aren't good witnesses. In fact, they start worshiping other gods. So God raises up a chief witness, Moses, to ood or bear witness to the people who are supposed to be the real witnesses. When Moses meets with Yahweh on Mount Sinai, he sees and experiences God face to face. When he comes down, he ooods, he bears witness to the people about his experience. He even writes a song as a witness so that they would never forget how God has cared for and rescued them. But as the story goes on, Israel does forget. They fail to truly see God, so they fail as his witnesses. So God raises up prophets who are like Moses to ood, to open their eyes to who their God really is. Like Isaiah, he has a vision of God as the cosmic king, and he's sent to ood to bear witness to the Israel of his day because they're blind, they're corrupt, and they don't recognize God as their king. So Isaiah says that one day, God will raise up the ultimate chief witness, a figure called the servant. He will open the eyes of the blind so that they can truly see Yahweh and bear witness to the nations that their God is the king who will rescue the world. And now, when we turn to the story of Jesus, we find him claiming to be that servant and witness spoken of by Isaiah. He's the ultimate witness, or in Greek, the martus. Crowds of people witness him saying that he's bringing God's kingdom, that it's here, right now, through him. They see Jesus healing people, even restoring sight to the blind. Many recognize who he is and respond to his message, but many others still refuse to truly see. Even the nation's leaders won't listen to him. Rather, they kill Jesus for bearing witness to God's kingdom, that is, for being a martus. In fact, this is where the word martyr comes from. But then, after Jesus' death, something amazing happens. Jesus' friends see him alive from the dead, and they recognize that he is the divine king, Yahweh himself, who has come to rescue the world. After that, Jesus sends them out to martyreo, that is, to bear witness to the nations, to open their eyes to this risen king who has conquered death and who offers freedom and rescue and the hope of a new creation. And it's this story about Jesus that's been spread all around the world by faithful witnesses. And to this day, when someone hears the story of Jesus and experiences the love of God for all humanity, the most natural thing to do is to simply bear witness. If you want a resource, the Bible Project's an incredible resource, and it's free. YouTube, check out BibleProject.com. It's got awesome, awesome resources. So here we are, we're gathering. Let me ask you this question. Why don't we? Why, why is it difficult sometimes to be faithful witnesses? A couple, couple of ideas. Sometimes it clashes with our culture. If we look at how the culture is out there, and, and we look at how the culture is with Jesus, we realize that it's not just this nice message that's going to appease our culture. Rather, sometimes it comes and clashes with our culture. I don't know if you know, but fewer and fewer people are coming to church because they have to. It's no longer kind of a cultural norm just to come to church. And some people may think that that's a bad thing. Here's the good thing. More and more people are coming to church because they want to. Because they come and they're hungry. They want to come and learn about the source. They want to know why. 
Why is all this happening and how can we invite our creator uh, to be a part of our story, to meet us in our, in our broken circumstances? So there is a clash in our culture. So, so we got to go higher. We got to go higher. We got to ask God, Jesus, show me your perspective. Jesus, when we read your word, show me how to be about your business in every part of my life. So, so that clash with our culture Instead of, you know, fighting, let's, let's take the high route and let, then let's ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, we want to be your faithful witness. Show me your ways. We also want to go deeper because there is a clash against our time. We all have busy lives. We all have really, really busy lives. And before we know it, we've gone so far and maybe we're already broken down and we're like, man, I, I don't have time to, you know, be about God's stuff because I'm so busy with mine. And so my uh, challenge for us this season is so that we may go deeper, so that we can go deeper in devotion and allow God, to, we, we give God our time so that we can go deeply to the things of God. And, and then the third is, let's go farther. Let's go farther. So in all of these things that we're going to be talking about, let's go farther. And that's going to clash with our comfort. Because some of us may not be comfortable with loving those that maybe don't love us back. Or some of us may be uncomfortable with the idea of going on a mission trip to another place or serving our city. It is uncomfortable sometimes to follow Jesus. So my encouragement there is seek somebody that has gone the distance. See somebody, find someone that you want to be like, emulate in your walk and ask them, can you help me go the distance? So as we clash, let's go deep. And, and to encourage us in, in this whole thing, I want to read this, the, these verses. We're in Luke chapter 24, and I'm going to read quite a bit. I'm going to read this uh, instance where uh, Jesus is now raised from the dead. The women, Mary, uh, Joanna, and um, Mary Magdalene, they're, 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 they see the, the empty tomb, and now they're like, what's going on? Well, these two men are walking. We're in verse 13. It's going to be on the screen. Here we go. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Pause. Okay, these verses are going to teach us how we witness. So here's the first one. They were talking about God. If you want a simple way to know how to witness, let's just talk about him as we go from this place. It doesn't need to be biblically correct even. Just ask questions. Talk. Discuss the things of God. So he asked them, this is Jesus, why are you discussing so intently? What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. Now, if you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, here's exhibit A right here. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. 
We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told him, Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So they went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it, and he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them, who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. Here's the second piece. So we talk about him, then we tell our story. Have you ever been talking with people or, or just naturally going through life and then realize God was there? God was there at that moment. And, and, and then we can't just stay there. We have to share our story. Verse 36, and just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. The whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have bodies as you see that I do. And as he spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. And that's the third thing. We get to seek him out. When we have questions... When we have doubts, when we're not sure, we seek him out. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with joy and wonder, and they asked him, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he ate it as they watched. Then he said, When I was with you before, I told you that everything about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. So we talk. We talk about God. We seek him. When we have questions, when we're unsure, we seek him. And, and where do we go? We go here. In these passages, Jesus basically is saying that this entire book, that this, all 66 books point to him. And he is saying that the message of this book is that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And that is the gospel message. 
So if you're here this morning and you feel like you are unqualified or you feel like you are not ready or you feel like you're uncomfortable, my hope is that we will be filled with the courage of the Holy Spirit to just be where we are as we enter into this you know, theme, let's go into our uh, families, into our cities, our communities, into the ends of the earth. One final word as the worship team comes up. It's in Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Paul is speaking to Timothy and he's saying, This is why I remind you to fan into the flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him with the strength God gives you. Be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Jesus Christ. Why do we go? Because he came. That's why we go. And let's allow the gospel to fuel us as we are faithful witnesses. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have chosen us that, that we here today are called your sons and daughters. And Father, if there's anyone in the room that feels distant to you this morning, I pray, and as we close in worship, that you would draw near and that they would see that we have a Father in heaven that is filled with love. There is a Father in heaven that wants us to receive that love and show it to the world. And so, God, I thank you for your word. I pray that we would leave here encouraged. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name.